0: Hi, I'm Talissa and I'm Rachel and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will
1: contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome Welcome to to Transatlantic Crime.
0: (laughs) Same place. Hello, mate.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that you? Still being English
1: from last week?
0: Yeah, I've kept it this whole week. I've just kept it up.
1: <laughs> well, that must be pleasant for people. <laughs> I've um, I haven't had a chance to listen to our podcast this week because I listen to it every Monday. Once you've edited it and put it up, I listen to it because I'm like, oh, I want to hear what how I sound, not like a prick. Hopefully, <laughs> so like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll listen to it. And I haven't even had time to do that today. I say time. I mean, we've we've been basically watching programs about like nightmare neighbors.
0: Oh, really? That's so funny. Yeah. What's it called? They're brilliant. It's called the Devil Next Door or something. That's oh, what the show is yeah. here. The Devil Next Door. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I think so. You know, I told you about my trainer, my personal trainer. Yeah. She loves watching that show, so we talk about that one a lot.
1: It's just trash. Like, I just love trash TV. <laughs> Especially, at the t- like, me and Carly call it, um, my life's better than yours TV. <laughs> like, <laughs> just a nice reminder. Yeah, like, when you're in a mood, it's just fucking great. Yeah. Uh, I know what I was gonna say. So, this week, when this comes out, yeah, it'll come out on a Monday. And then on the Wednesday, it's lovely Patreon supporter Ruth's birthday. Oh, um, happy
0: birthday. So, happy birthday,
1: Ruth. Yeah. Um, and, like... <laughs> We were on the girl chat and she was saying, oh God, it's just shit like not having a boyfriend for your birthday. And I just thought to myself, (laughs) if it makes you feel any better, my birthday just gone, my boyfriend turned up inexplicably late because he'd been making a crumble. Then he bought me like a plant pot from Ikea and I know he was going there anyway to like buy washing up draining board shit. Um, And so he just like gave it to me unwrapped, like just handed me a plant pot, like. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> no, I think I was I was like too fucking angry or like just trying to like pretend everything was okay. So I was just like he didn't just give you a plant pot. It's not a big deal. Like, yeah. And then and then uh I think he said um I was really angry at you on your birthday, but I didn't really want to say anything. So I was like, "Oh, great." And then we broke up like 5 days later. So trust me, Ruth, having a boyfriend on your birthday doesn't necessarily make it a good birthday. <laughs> it's not all it's cracked up to be i can think (laughs) boyfriends it's not all it's cracked up to be (laughs) that is the headline yep have you got any like shit birthday stories that aren't well
0: i feel like i've blocked them from memory they're more depressing though i feel like (laughs) like they're not funny the only one i can think of is sad (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like when I lived in Ipswich, then I was like, "Oh, I want to go to London for my birthday." Like I've never spent time in London. And so we went, and it just was not enjoyable. Like he was just mean and oh god, I cried and <laughs> yeah, I've I've
1: had a boyfriend make me cry on my birthday before. My 21st, um yeah, mental Dave, he made me cry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it was my 23rd birthday or something, and, like, that's one that comes to mind.
1: Um, what's other? I've also had a birthday where I had uh, my ex-boyfriend who cheated on me gave me a birthday card and he, would like, spilt soup on it. And he, like, circled the stain and put next to it, like, sorry about the stain, was eating soup. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Write the card away from your lunch or get a yeah, new card.
0: <laughs> this isn't like a half-hazard, just do it quick while you're eating. Like, you that's have more offensive to sign than a no card. card. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he got me like a box of cupcakes for my birthday and I fucking hate cupcakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you? Yeah. There's just it's too much icing, too sugary. It's not a meal. It's empty calories. Like That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I feel like Did I'd rather like have cake, a burger.
0: Though?
1: A burger? It's all right. Like, it's fine. We had an apple crumble <laughs> at the weekend that my mum made, and that was really good. But...
0: Yeah. I love all desserts, so. Yes. I love donuts. Yeah. I love cupcakes.
1: Donuts are pretty good. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'd rather have a cake of donuts for- than a birthday cake. Definitely. <laughs> I I'll See if we can catch up on some true crime news. I've been slacking a bit recently, but there is, like, Scott Peterson um Mm. they found apparently they found new evidence that like might prove him innocent really i didn't know that and his death penalty got overturned because one of the jury members i can't remember what happened like one of the jury members should have been struck and then a few of them were struck for saying they don't believe in the death penalty
0: Mm. so
1: like something around the death penalty and the jurors like not believing it and i put it out on our social media and a couple of people piped up and were like i think he's innocent
0: no way seriously
1: yeah and I was like, oh my God, I did not know there was a Scott Peterson fan club out there.
0: How do I miss all of these comments on our social media? Like, I look at everything all the time. Do you? And... <laughs> yeah. Do like... you? <laughs> no, I can't even, I can't even remember where I saw it.
1: <laughs> but somebody wow. did, yeah. I think it was Twitter, actually. Oh, Twitter. People... I don't go on Twitter. Yeah. On our tw- well, I don't really go on it that often. I should do more. But on our Twitter, some a like, couple of people piped up and were like, yeah, I believe he's innocent. Wow. I'm just like, fuck. I also got into a bit of a Maura Murray hole. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Has something updated with her case?
1: No. Um, Do you want to explain Maura Murray for people who might not know who she is?
0: There's a really good podcast about it too, right? Although since it's unsolved it doesn't have a like a happy ending or anything and
1: it only got like 45 episodes and i'm like what are you still talking about <laughs> <I know. laughs> i'm like good for you but jesus christ yeah. that has got to be that's got to be some repetition
0: yeah basically she went for a drive right i'm like really condensing it down she went for a drive and then she was in like the wilderness and uh i can't remember what state it was Upstate New York, I think. Yeah, she just completely disappeared. Yeah. And they checked the houses around. They thought maybe someone in one of the houses might have kidnapped her. They didn't know if she got out of her car and walked away. Like if she was on some kind of psychotic break or on drugs or something. Yeah. And that's it. Nobody knows what happened to her.
1: That's the end of it. Right. It's so frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so frustrating. Basically, I also said I really like the YouTube channel called That Chapter. And okay. he did, a, he, I've put about it on our Instagram and he did a video about her. And somebody put in the comments, like they took the time to type out this 3000 word like answer, basically. That was just like, yeah, she got in loads of trouble for like stealing when she was in a military academy. She just stole like mm. some makeup or something and then she stole someone's credit card and ordered pizza on it which is the stupidest thing ever because it just comes to your house. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) criminal. That happened. And then uh, she said that there'd been a death in the family and that she was going home for a bit, basically. So none of her tutors would chase her for stuff. And then, yeah, they found like alcohol in her car. She'd also crashed a car before that. So basically, I think her parents are really quite strict. And I think Mm. she'd just made too many mistakes and she was just like, shit. Because the guy who saw her car like crash was like, do you want me to call the police? And she was like, no, I've already called them. And she hadn't. Right. Right. So I think she just like absolutely shit herself that she was going to get in more trouble and didn't mm. want any more trouble brought to her door, basically. Mm-hmm. And in the YouTube comments, this person said, I reckon she literally hid from the police in the woods and then just started walking and died in the wilderness. Yeah. And they didn't find anything. And they were like, loads of people die in the wilderness and they don't find anything. Right. But it was just really convincing. Like, So I kind of think nothing nefarious happened. That's my take on the Mora Murray case.
0: But didn't in one of the houses it had her DNA or something in it? or My my understanding was they had a cadaver dog. And they yes, said that there was something buried there.
1: And when they dug it right. up, it was nothing. Because they did very recently dig it up and there was nothing.
0: Yeah. How terrified would you be if that was your house and, and the dogs came and they're all surrounding you <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> I don't know what like, it is. You can have it. I'm moving. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, like, the people that live around that area must just be shitting themselves that they're going to get blamed for her murder, like, any right. day. Yeah. Unless they are the murderer. It's so, <laughs> I find, um, I, oh, it makes me a piss boil, like, the frustration yeah. of not knowing. Yeah,
0: I find that with Israel Keys. Like, I went down a hole with Israel Keys, and when he said that some people just have disappeared, Mm -hmm. and they think that it's like oh they fell off a boat or or they are went hiking and they disappeared like how many people who's he talking about
1: yeah because he says that they thought it was just an accident yeah so like you know all those people go missing in national parks it's like a thing isn't it the missing 411 there's a documentary called the missing 411 and a guy's written a book apparently he's a bit of a crack job oh (laughs) apparently and there's some sort of like suggestion of aliens or something and everyone's like no yeah, loads of people
0: go missing, don't they, in national parks? Yeah.
1: Which is why. I don't know why anyone goes to him, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give Israel Keyes more credit than he's due. I want to a... minimize him. <laughs> he's a fucking
1: arsepipe when you watch him. He's so smug, isn't he?
0: Like He's so smug. And just the fact that he committed suicide is just like... Dude, you're a coward at the end of it.
1: I feel like he was such an attention whore that if if he hadn't killed himself, I think they would have got more out of him. More confessions and stuff. Totally. Because I think they would have. And that's really fucking annoying. Yeah. It's really annoying that Deborah Feldman, who was that woman that he clearly fucking killed. Right. They showed him a picture and he just freaked out and was like, no, I don't know who that is. No, 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 no. He clearly killed her. And it's just like, yeah. you could have just put more and more pictures in front of him. And like,
0: do you yeah, I, mean? I was listening to the murder squad. Oh, do they do one on him? Yeah, they talk about him. They had <gasps> Ashley Flowers from Crime Junkie come on and talk Ooh. about it. But Paul Holes was like, I don't know why the detectives and the investigators didn't question him with more aggression or more. Mm-hmm. If you watch the interviews or listen to them. They're so nice to him. They're kissing his ass. Exactly. And I think watching that, you're like, why weren't you just more hard on him? Like, no, we're not gonna give you what you want. Tell us what we want.
1: Well he didn't he didn't have a lawyer in with him, did he? For a lot of it. So I think they were just shitting right. themselves that he was gonna turn around and say, fuck you, I'm not talking to you, no comment, I want a lawyer. But like yeah. I think by pussyfooting around him and like kissing his ass, they got they got him to say more than they would but it is it is gross watching it yeah they're just like laughing along with him to bits and i know they have to do that but it is a bit grim
0: the same with listening to the kelly cochran on true crime bullshit yeah such a good podcast the detective yeah the detective on that like made friends with her and flirts with her yeah Yeah, and and i totally get it it's i'm sure it's a fine line between like being aggressive and questioning someone and being like tell me everything tell me what you know Mm. and then trying to like sweet talk them yeah it just feels so gross
1: I think you have to be a certain type of person yeah like I'm no good at lying or acting (laughs) okay with anything that I'm not okay with like I'm just like a two-year-old with like a rotten little face
0: (laughs) right I can't hide that either
1: no, so yeah, I think you have to be fucking good at pretending. Yeah, it takes a certain person, I think. And plus, they're like narcissists, aren't they? So they just want people to yeah be super nice to them and like right act, act like they're a god. Basically, it's gross. Ugh, I w- I need the next <laughs> season of True Crime bullshit to come out now. <laughs> I love that show. They're so good, but they take oh, forever. And it's like they're half an hour and they're like 10 minutes of that as adverts. And it's like, come yeah. on. <laughs> it makes me actually want to wait until it's all out and then binge it.
0: Yeah, I did that. I can't handle the suspense. Right. <laughs> Does me in. Yeah, there's a lot of podcasts like that where I, you have to wait till it's all out and then listen to everything. I can't do it like week by week.
1: No, or like someone will suggest a podcast to me. I'll be like, how many episodes are
0: there? Yeah. Because if it's
1: only two, I'm not interested. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Unless they're eight hours long each.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to switch to audiobooks.
0: <laughs> right. Speaking of podcasts... Oh, yeah? <laughs> let's talk about our podcast.
1: Yeah, good. That's a great little... Uh, what they call <laughs> Segway.
0: that?
1: Segway, that's it.
0: Yeah. I going to say link. No, good segue. I listen to another podcast and they do that for every subject that they jump to. They're like, speaking of <laughs> so-and-so... I like it, um, my favorite murder. On
1: there, Georgia will just go, Whatever someone says, she'll just go, speaking of merch, like she'll just like say it even when no one else has said anything, which I kind of
0: like. <laughs> yeah, we I used to do that with my siblings. We'd just randomly go, Speaking of birthdays <laughs> A
1: boyfriend won't make it better. I promise you that. <laughs> this has come full circle but i said i think ruth hasn't had a boyfriend in so long that she's forgotten how shit they can be yeah (laughs) you're just imagining this perfect day with like confetti and like a fucking ticker tape parade and like a puppy jumping out of a box and it's like no mate they will spill soup on your card and turn up really late with a plant pot unwrapped
0: plant pot (laughs) oh you piece of shit anyway (laughs) whatever Whatever. There are some good uh, guys out there, but yeah. There are.
1: I've And to, to be fair, for the two I've slagged off, I've probably had six other boyfriends that gave me great birthdays. So yeah, but we're not talking about them. <laughs> They're no fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> so <Yeah>. who cares? <laughs> right. Okay.
0: Speaking of podcasts, let's <laughs> do your first this week, I believe. Yes. Our uh, theme this week is Twisted Firestarters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you were like, what the fuck is a twisted fire starter? And I was like, oh, just an arsonist. But it's just a nod to the Prodigy song. Yeah, I thought so. That didn't come off as well as I thought it would. I
0: thought it was arson, but I what wanted to What else would it like, be just... though, Rach? I don't know. Like, maybe you were thinking like crazy... Acrobats. <laughs> yeah,
1: Acrobats on fire. Yeah. Started to go really specific.
0: Right. No,
1: it's just about arsonists. Which (laughs) I find a really strange breed.
0: Yeah, let's just get into my story because he's a strange guy. It's kind of a short one, so. Good, because mine's fucking long. Okay, so this is a story of Firebug, Patrick William (laughs) Brennan, aka the Bay Area arsonist.
1: Oh, I think if I know this, I really like
0: this story because it's just so twisty. I might not know it, but go. We'll see. So. From January 8th to January 12th, 2014, a total of 13 fires were started in the downtown area of San Jose, California. San Jose is about, it's in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. It's not far from San Francisco.
1: I just think, do you know the way to San Jose? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, Who did that song? Oh, I don't know. Someone in the 50s. <laughs> someone. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. <laughs> don't sue us listeners <laughs> no. um so the locations included businesses houses including an elderly couple's home they managed to escape the oh, classroom God. of a baptist church Ugh. it was set on fire twice during those four days and a large industrial warehouse the size of a city block that caused massive explosions setting off five fire alarms at 7 a.m in the morning with the fire and smoke causing the roof to collapse. Yeah, huge. I watched a video of it too, it's just like, billowing smoke. (sighs) Fires are so overwhelming. They are. Three of these fires were started in one day. Schools in the area were closed due to the power being shut off to keep any further damage from starting, and residents were recommended to a shelter in place to avoid the fumes from the smoke. Luckily, no one died, but the damage caused over those four days totaled to roughly $6 million. Mm. That's a lot of fires to start in four days. You can't write that off as an accident. No. The police and fire department quickly determined 11 of them to be arson. They were started in the early hours of the morning and they were started with lighting newspaper at the rear of the building. So they all had a common ground of... The accelerant. Yeah, and all the times they were started was between like two and seven a.m. Mm. Also, how annoying would that be? You wake up to again seventy fire alarms. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, oh my god! Can people stop setting fire to shit? Like, yeah. Unless you're burning down my place of
0: work, then <laughs> that's annoying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Get out of free- get out of day. Whatever. Get out, jail free card. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I remember being in uni and they had to do fire alarms for our, like, dorm rooms or, like, our housing or whatever. Mm. And everyone would try and stay in bed because, obviously, you're just hungover every day. Yeah. <laughs> but they they knew that and they would let it go for, like, two hours. And it was oh. the worst sound ever. On a hangover. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like right in your ear. So that's what I imagine. 7 a.m. in the morning in San Jose downtown. Violently flapping the fire alarm with a tea towel. (laughs) Residents of the area began watch patrols and watered down their homes and outdoor properties with garden hoses. The San Jose Firefighter Union also offered a reward to find the perpetrator. Does it rain much in san jose um it's a little bit more wet than la but i think in january it can be pretty dry in the winter yeah
1: it's not even as if the rain's gonna help you out in england it's fucking constantly raining the yeah. fire like <laughs> half of it's put out just through the downpour
0: <laughs> yeah so the police obviously started investigating during investigation police checked security cameras surrounding each of the locations one of which caught some grainy footage of a man blatantly setting fire behind a building. (laughs) Saturday night, the 11th of January, during the arson attacks, patrol police spotted a man hanging around the area where some of the fires had been started. This, along with a composite sketch from a witness and some of the security footage, led Police Sergeant Jason Kidwell to check several law enforcement databases, including the California Arson Register, to see if any of the profiles matched up. Well, that's a handy register to have, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't think we have that here. (laughs) No, so I looked it up, okay? The California Arson Registry is maintained by the same organization that maintains the Sex Offender Tracking Program in California. There are far fewer registered arson offenders, about 4,000, as compared to registered sex offenders, which number over Mm 130,000. And I also found only three states have an arson registry
1: and are they the ones where forest fires fuck it up no i don't think so
0: (laughs) really because it makes sense for california to have one right and the other other two are louisiana and ohio which are louisiana has like swamps and stuff yeah quite wet and ohio is yeah ohio is like green trees grass yeah just like nice (laughs) <laughs> but bo- but boring, So a lot of people start fires. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing in Louisiana. Yeah, I maybe mean, it was just pissed up, I guess, like <laughs> yeah. So one of the profiles found was that of forty eight year old Patrick William Brennan. Brennan lived in the same area as all of the fires and had a history of arson in the San Jose area and beyond in other states. In 1999, he was added to the arson list after he was arrested on suspicion for setting 16 fires over spring and summer along trail sites in or near San Jose, Los Gatos, and Cupertino, where he earned the nickname the South Bay arsonist. That's a lot of fires.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You see my face. It's just fucking outrageous. (laughs) It is. But the thing is, like, everyone has a lighter. They don't go, no, we can't sell this lighter to you. You look like you might set fire to something.
0: It's just so easy to do. (laughs) It is. And you could say it was an accident. If you were uh, this guy, he didn't have a lot of money. He was kind of down and out. Yeah. You could be like, oh, I was was starting a fire because I was cold because I don't have heat in my house or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So previous to that... He was arrested on arson charges outside of California for setting fires in and around Grand Canyon National Park in 1995 using forest debris.
1: I don't think that's as bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've
1: been to Grand Canyon and it's pretty dry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's where it's dangerous, though, because... It spread pretty quickly. And it's wildlife as well. It
1: kills wildlife, doesn't it?
0: Forest fires. Because I
1: know no one lives at the Grand Canyon, but like the
0: animals do and stuff. Right. And there's like rare plants and stuff. That's true. Uh, Brennan is also on the sex offenders registry for a 2001 sexual assault and battery charge in which he assaulted his girlfriend's relative who was also a minor. This guy's a piece of shit. Yeah. This was a crime he spent eight years in jail for. Also... Side note, this same girlfriend that he lived with was sexually assaulted by Brennan's father.
1: Oh, dear.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That is unfortunate. And I don't bring it up as like a salacious fact, but rather like a detail that maybe gives some insight as to why he was this way. Like who his dad is, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like what was his upbringing, Um, which I couldn't really find out more than that about Mm -hmm. him. So after finding out this information on Brennan, police began surveillance on him on Sunday, January 12th, the last day of the arson spree. By Wednesday, January 15th, a week after the fires had started, police had collected enough evidence to collect Brennan at his trailer, where they were able to gather further evidence in his home that would link him to the crimes. He was taken in for questioning and quickly thereafter arrested.
1: I wonder what that evidence was.
0: Yeah, they they wouldn't say either. I looked on like 10 different articles and they were like, the police said what we found in his house definitely links him to all the arsons in the area. A bumper sticker that says I heart fires. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> just a shrine of lighters. <laughs> his whole trailer was just made of matches.
0: Yeah. Also, it said that he was he lived in this trailer that was basically held up by tape. It was just he just wasn't just a down and out kind of guy. He wasn't doing well. No. Brennan was booked into Santa Clara County Jail the following Thursday on two counts of felony arson with a bail set at one million dollars. His neighbors were shocked to find that he was the arsonist behind the week's fires and also had no idea that he was a registered sex offender. They also figured out that there was like a church pretty much across a path from him and they were like, oh yeah, there a couple of fires started there as well. That must have been him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, who else? (laughs) Yeah, they described him as someone who kept to himself an odd chain smoking loner. He was often seen carrying a police radio around attached to his belt, which he would listen to intently. That's on the bingo. It's got to be. Yeah. Impersonating a police officer, trying to,
1: or like having a police radio so you know if they're coming or not.
0: Yeah. When I was doing my research, there's another really famous case about a guy who tried to become a police officer and he didn't get through. And it's a really famous arson. I think maybe my favorite murder did it or someone, but. Was he an arson inspector? He, yes he was the arson inspector in in glendale which is not far from where i live yeah and uh he would be the first at the scene and everyone was always impressed with him being the first at the scene
1: that's the one i thought you were gonna do
0: yeah but then i i thought
1: it's already been done yeah if you haven't heard it definitely go and seek it out because it's fucking outrageous
0: it's a crazy story it It's just like the perfect cover. It is. And I just like how they were all impressed. Like, oh, he was the first at the scene always. He is really on it. (laughs) Yeah. While in custody, police questioned Brennan, who readily admitted to setting the fires. He told them that the cause of his compulsion was due to stress after seeing his mother, who had Alzheimer's, and she had not recognized him. He had admitted previously during the 1999 fires that setting fires was a stress reliever. Investigators also believed them to be a sexual release. I was going to say, have a wank. Yeah. Far less
1: harmful <laughs> for the environment, for your have peers. Private. Private wank. Yes. <laughs> not on anyone, not near anyone.
0: No. In your sellotape no. trailer. Like,
1: <laughs> quietly and on your own.
0: You know, by yourself, do whatever you need to do. He admitted that he wanted to be caught finding locations where there was security cameras. He said he needed to be caught because he couldn't stop himself. Brennan told police that he used debris, dried vegetation, and a paper bag laying nearby to start the fires with a cigarette lighter. It's so crazy how, like, a little lighter can cause that much damage.
1: Yeah, also, like, uh, I don't know what houses and stuff are made up, but you think, like... Well, I guess you could just set fire to a door because they're usually wooden. But buildings are brick buildings. Like, what are you doing? Like slipping the slipping it under the door? Like, I don't understand how he's managed to get the fire
0: inside from outside. Do you know what I mean? They said that the big industrial warehouse that he set fire to, yeah, that had like six different build uh, businesses in it. Okay, so there was like a plumbing business that had all kinds of supplies. There was a hay. Oh, well, that's the first one I'd be hitting.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) He's like, plumbing, no, closed
0: door, no, hey! (laughs) There we go. Bingo. Okay, so... Arresting officers commented that Brendan was cold and held no emotion when he was arrested. The only time that he did show any type of emotion was when he enthusiastically retraced his steps for police, telling them how and when he started each fire. Ugh. Yeah, pretty excited about it. Mm. In December of that year, Brennan pled guilty, risking 25 years to life for each of the fires started, which reached to about a possible 325-year sentence. However, he agreed to a 40-years-to-life prison sentence. Bud Porter, a deputy district attorney in Santa Clara County, said, "'We believe it is the right sentence.' We do not want him to get out because he's shown time after time that he's dangerous because he can't stop setting fires, and that is the story God. of the Bay Area arsonist.
1: It's <laughs> just so mad. <laughs> like your story and my story have got some real similarities, like the way they just can't stop themselves. It's like a sneeze. Yeah, and they're not out to murder people. They're just they no. just want to see something this guy burn. Wanted to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's fucking weird. I, do you think, like, they should just put them in rehab with, like, a fire, imitation fire on the wall of, like, a TV? <laughs> like, just have a watch of this <laughs> instead of burning yeah. down half the neighbourhood. Like, I can't
0: think what your treatment would be for that kind of fucking I abnormality. I feel like everyone has a weird compulsion, though. You know, and it could be something as simple as, like, biting your nails. Yeah, or... yeah tearing the labels off of beer bottles
1: yeah like I play with my hair quite a lot like my fringe or my hair and like I'll do it and then I'll be like okay my hair's actually my head's starting to hurt and my hair's getting really greasy and I'm like this needs to stop but like yeah I do that without thinking
0: yeah when I was a little kid what did you set fire to (laughs) I didn't set fire to anything okay so there was our neighbors was like three houses away Mm mm-hmm And they had these trees that were, like, the bark was, like, really easily, you could, like, peel it off. That sounds satisfying. And for some reason, it was, (laughs) for me, as a small child, I had, I, like, snuck there. I think it started off me just, I didn't sneak there. I just went and did it. And then the old lady who lived there came out and she was, like, you can't do that to my tree. It'll kill the tree. Like, (laughs) it will eventually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then so when she told me that, then from time to time, I would just sneak there <laughs> and do it. And I, and when I think back now, I was like, I think maybe that was some kind of weird compulsion and I had this need to do it. That's weird stress reliever. I know. So weird. To be fair,
1: you're the oldest of nine. I don't blame you for peeling bark off trees.
0: <laughs> yeah, but at that time, it was just like me and my sister and brother. Like she wasn't I don't, even born. There weren't that many. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like in the simpsons where
1: homer eats flowers <laughs> right and bart's like that explains his strange trips to amsterdam <laughs> <laughs> and he goes
0: to him i'll go eat some flowers and homer's like my secret shame <laughs> <laughs> yeah I- yeah i guess i get that kind of weird compulsive need to do something like that but obviously I'm not like that anymore I got (laughs) over it so and I think one of the articles about this guy one of the police officers or detectives was like yeah this guy doesn't know who he is he's 48 years old and he's never been able to like process who he is yeah
1: well maybe that's it it's one of the um mcdonald triad isn't it wetting the bed Mm. hurting animals and setting fires yeah one of the three things that you could tell when a child's going to grow up to be like a serial killer although loads of people have said like that's not an exact science and i'm sure it isn't but right like israel keys set fires didn't he
0: yeah and he hurt animals too i think yeah
1: I don't know about bedwetting. He never admitted that. He set fires sometimes. He set them to cover up a crime, but he admitted that like a lot of the time he just did it because he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I can't get my head around the logic. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do anything that's a hassle in any way, shape or form.
0: (laughs) Anything. Just leave me alone in my room by myself. I won't bother anyone and no one will bother me. I'll call you once a week to do this and that's fine.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) god lockdown honestly it's turned me into such a fucking weird hermit
0: what are people gonna be like after this you know never the
1: same like i really don't think it's ever gonna be the same i hope it i hope it will
0: yeah but never in my life have i gone to bed so early all the time really consistently (laughs) mate i'm always in fucking bed (laughs) by 10 like always i'm like oh this
1: is nice why didn't i do this before oh my god not only am i in bed by 10 i also have like a run-up to bed where i'm like right bath book no phone lavender oil like hissing into the room and then i'm like okay and now i'm gonna listen to some now i'm gonna listen to some asmr and now we're just gonna gently take the asmr out and pop the earplugs in and go to sleep it's honestly That's really
0: good military
1: precision because it's just because i've had people say like oh fuck's sake like why'd you go to bed so early and stuff but it's like if i don't my anxiety the next day is off the wall i will yeah. jump at like anything i'll be really grouchy yeah. i just can't think of anything else but going to bed and yeah. or i'll like burst into tears at something and i'll be like oh right you didn't sleep very well last night like a toddler
0: right <laughs> so it's just not worth That's it it's true though it's so hard for me to do something like that, though. Even though I know how important sleep is. Yeah. It's just, like, always been really hard. But now this is, like, the positive thing of quarantine is, like, I want to go to bed at 10 p.m. and get up at 7 a.m. And I've never, ever been like that. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, Do you read in bed?
1: Yeah. The feeling of having a book in bed with just a lamp on. Oh, it's bliss. Do you not think?
0: Yeah. It's fucking lovely. Oh, so yeah, relaxing. except if you have a boyfriend or husband who's like can you turn the light <laughs> off now can you turn the light off
1: now <laughs> mine's quite the opposite like well it used to be like uh when I had a boyfriend thanks for bringing it up Rach um so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it used to be like okay well I'm not tired because it's nine thirty, so I'll see you in like yeah. three hours
0: <laughs> right
1: yeah and I'd be like okay don't make any fucking noise when you come in the room and people wonder why I'm single I
0: just don't know what to tell them <laughs> <laughs> no but i've been reading this this book lately before bed it's called beneath a scarlet sky and it's set during world war ii lovely yeah it's a crazy story it's a true story about this guy who was a really good skier and he helped jews escape into switzerland from italy skis yeah oh my god and then he (laughs) i know i was joking it's an amazing story (laughs) he did it it, there was a lot of hiking but I just got finished with the chapter where he literally like put a pregnant woman on his back and skied most of the way what a hero yeah and then he uh I haven't gotten to this part yet but he became a driver for one of the like higher up Nazi
1: yeah SS officers
0: yeah so lately all my dreams have been like world war Two nazi oh mate like.
1: i love that i'm obsessed with it the last nazis and like uh there's like loads of programs on channel four in the uk that are like nazis on crack and like all this stuff like because they used to take yeah. amphetamines didn't they like that i didn't really know that yeah but yeah apparently loads of the army those of the ss used to take amphetamines to just like pump them up for like right. fucking killing people and stuff
0: really interesting there's this book that I've been meaning to read. It's called, I think it's called Blitzed. Mm-hmm. And it's basically about how Hitler was just on meth off his tits. for a lot of the time. I mean, yeah, you'd have to Which be. explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, it explains a lot. <laughs> it really
1: does. I mean, I know that drugs can give you that sort of self-confidence, like unfounded self-confidence. <laughs> yeah. That if you want that, take some drugs. Right. <laughs> completely unfounded sense of inflated ego <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> man yeah yeah but those are what my dreams have been lately just like hiding from nazis you'd be such oh, a cute... anyone or I, I might be like helping jews so you would
1: be the cute woman in the little dress that helped people like you'd hide them <laughs> under your floorboards i can just see it and I feel like I would be one of those people who's like uh, one of those Jews that pretends they're going to fuck a Nazi officer and then takes them into the woods and shoots them. Like, that would be me. Like, revenge and power hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, there's no, there's really no need to shoot them. You could just help them. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope.
0: That's it.
1: Nope. Burn it down.
0: <laughs> burn it down.
1: Yeah. Speaking of burning it down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes that was a brilliant one yes (laughs) that was fantastic i'm going to start my story for you and i better get cracking because it's fucking long yes okay so this is a story of bruce george peter lee who was known as the hull arsonist
0: oh last week my story was in hull
1: was it oh yeah god they've had a nasty um past Yeah. Peter George Dinsdale was born on July the 31st in 1960 in Manchester, England. His mother, Doreen, was a sex worker and she would call him a freak because he had epileptic fits. Aww. We're already off to a bad start. Yeah. He also had congenital spastic haemoplegia in his right limbs. Um, And I didn't know what that was, so I looked it up. So... Spastic haemoplegia is a neuromuscular condition which leaves the muscles on one side of the body being in a constant state of contraction. Oh, wow. Yeah, it sounds really painful. So I don't know if it is, but it just does. It falls under the mobility impairment of cerebral palsy. And about 20 to 30% of people with cerebral palsy have spastic haemoplegia. So the way it affected him was it left him with a limp in his right leg. And a compulsion to hold his right arm across his chest. Mm. He never knew his father because he left Doreen when Peter was really young. So she sent him to live with his grandmother when he was only six months old. And he lived there until he was three. And then he spent the rest of his childhood in different children's homes. He went to a school for the physically handicapped until he was 16. And people bullied Peter his whole life. And when he was a teenager, he became known as Daft Peter. Oh, It's so horrible.
0: <laughs> He's really not set up for success. He's already got a mean mom. Yeah, like
1: a visible visible disability as well. Yeah. Which is shit because people have had a pop it in before they even know him. Right. And kids kids are really horrible. They're just the yeah, worst.
0: They can
1: be. <laughs> as an adult, he worked as a labourer at a local sp- he worked at a local speedway track and he worked at a pig market and he was also a ba- he worked as a babysitter. So you must have been kind of trustworthy. Yeah. If
0: you're a babysitter.
1: In 1969 when he was 9 years old, he burned down a shopping mall causing 17,000 pounds worth of damage. Wow. Yeah. So starting early. And then 4 years later when he was 13, on June the 23rd, 1973, he started a fire at the Ellerington residence. And there was a pupil at the same special needs school as he was uh, living, at, living there. And, and he died when he was trapped in the front bedroom of his home when his parents, siblings, and two guests were all escaping from a less damaged bedroom. And they were unaware that he wasn't with them.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, he just got
1: left behind and he was six. Aww. So no definite conclusion was reached at the inquest, although there was suspicion that there had been a leak from the gas oven. So that just got written off as an accident. Um, so that was in the June and then in the October in the same year, he, uh, burned down the house of Arthur Smythe. Some places he's listed as Bernard Smythe. Cause like the details on this were pretty hard to find, but like I cobbled together like from three or four different sources, uh, like murderpedia, wikipedia and, um, crime and investigation website. And some, somehow through all of those, i managed to get it together, but he was a reclusive bachelor and a hoarder. And he died when paraffin was ignited in the lounge, trapping him as he rarely left the room, even to sleep at night. And paraffin was Peter's favoured accel- favored accelerant. And that was detected in the room, but it was put down to two paraffin heaters, one of which was overturned, leading to an unconfirmed suspicion that it had come into contact with the flame of a candle that Mr. Smythe used for lighting as the electricity was cut off. So for that fire, they were basically like, hoarder had a paraffin lamp, And a candle. Mm. Just added all that together and we're like, he burnt his own house down.
0: So, so far he's killed two people.
1: Yes. Six year old and a 72 year old. And then, so about 10 days, sorry, so it's actually about 15 days after that, uh, he killed a man called David Brewer, who was 34. He was a bachelor, partly incapacitated by a work accident. And he died after falling asleep on the settee of the flat that he shared with his mother, who wasn't at home. And he woke up and he was just on fire.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: I mean, how you put this down to an accident, I do not fucking yeah. know. <laughs> so, he was doused by wet towels and fetched by a neighbour, but he died in hospital eight days later. No other fire damage beyond the settee and surrounding linoleum was found.
0: How did he get into his house?
1: I think he was just really fucking sneaky. And at this point, he's mm. 13, so he's quite like nimble. Oh, yeah. No other fire damage. And, I, and this is the time Arlo's licking me. Um, (laughs) this is the time in history where they're like, we left our doors open, you know, you could leave your doors open in the street and it didn't matter. Like, I think people were far less safety conscious. So there'd been reports of clothes drying by the fire and the inquest concluded that these had caught light. But Peter later confirmed that he was, that he was friends with the son of a woman in the next flat and he sneaked in to set fire to his victim because he had hit him two days earlier in a row about the pigeons he kept. So he was basically uh, standing up for his friend in his eyes. Okay. So while the guy was asleep on the sofa, he went in and set fire to him. Yeah. That is savage. Wow. I hate it when like, okay, if someone dies in a fire, that is horrible. But I hate it when they're like, oh, they died like eight days later in hospital. You're just like, what an agonizing, slow death. Right. You know, when you burn yourself on an oven and you're like, fuck. Like, it really hurts. I just think that over your whole body like oh my god just fucking put me in a coma and if you can't fix it then fuck it because
0: it must be so horrible though if you're burnt all over your body is working so hard to recover mm. so it's just putting all of this energy into making your skin be better and mm. under your skin just so much energy put into that and that's probably how people die is yeah because they they're just spent
1: yeah basically And also, when you get really bad burns, I think it's, like, some of it can be, like, you can't even feel it because it's, like, nerve damage. But some of it, like, you can feel more because it, like, damages the nerves a little bit and then it gives you, like, nerve pain. Oh, just fucking hideous way to go. I know. You know, people are like, well, I don't know if they do it to you, but, like, when I was a kid, maybe the people I hung about with were weird. But they were like, (laughs) would you rather be burnt to death or drown to drown? Drown every fucking time.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Really? Rage. Yeah, drowning terrifies
1: me. But if you watch Game of Thrones, yeah. Loads of people get burnt in that and it doesn't look very nice.
0: (laughs) I just think of smoke inhalation. As long as you can pass out from smoke inhalation and then die, yeah. Then it's okay. That's
1: true. And I always put myself in the position of like, what if I was a witch in the medieval times (laughs) and they were like, I'm going to burn, we're going to burn you to death. I always think. I would just be, like, gasping for air so that I just passed out because of, like, the carbon yeah. monoxide.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: But luckily, they don't burn witches anymore. And they don't often yeah. burn people in, uh, <laughs> in our society. So we're okay. Right. So, yeah, they put that down to the clothes drying by the fire. So, again, just thought that was an accident. And then... Okay. It, he leaves it for like a year that we know of. And then in December of 1974, Elizabeth Rokar was 82 and she was... This is horrible. She was a widow with weak legs and bad eyesight. Aww. And she she died when a fire engulfed the living room of her house where she also slept at night. Although relatives and neighbours said she was a careful smoker and always made sure drying clothes were at the side of the fire rather than in front of it, the inquest concluded that she had started the blaze herself through smoking on in bed.
0: Police, what what are you doing?
1: I feel like they're just like, can't be bothered. Like, <laughs> Although, again, in the 70s and 80s, people started house fires with like chip yeah. pans, fucking right. shitty electric heaters, having a fag on in bed. Like, <laughs> they did. Because <laughs> everyone smoked. And right. n- there was no health and safety. Like, none of your furniture had to be flame-proof. Now, like, you can't sell a settee unless you can hold a lighter to it for like five minutes and it won't set alight.
0: Right, everything was just made out of plastic shit in the 80s (laughs) that would burn up in seconds. Your house
1: was basically kindling. (laughs) Yeah. And your clothes were polyester, so that went up like the clappers. Right, yeah. It was just, the 80s was just one big fire waiting to happen. (laughs) So... Um, yeah poor Elizabeth that got passed off just never mind and then in June, June of the next year in 1976 uh, was that the next year? sorry it's two years later uh, one year old Andrew Edwards was taken upstairs to bed by his great grandmother who was babysitting for him and his elder brother and sister while their parents were out sorry I said that sentence in like a really weird intonation <laughs> I think it's because there aren't enough commas in it <laughs> I didn't know when to stop. <laughs> so,
0: right. Just keep going and going and going. You know what I mean? Yes.
1: Yeah. So she's babysitting for him and his older brother and sister while their parents were out. That's how it should have gone. Okay. So yes. only only to discover a fire in the upstairs cupboard where two more of her great-grandchildren were playing. So she grabbed both children and took them to a neighbor and waited for the fire brigade. Only then remembering the baby upstairs
0: How do you forget?
1: Fucking hell. When someone casually asked if anyone else was in the house. I mean, she is a great grandmother. Maybe they were just like stuck for babysitters and they were like, fuck. I know she's a bit forgetful, but we really need her. (laughs) Oh, I know. But this like, okay. So she was unable to get back in at this point. um, And the inquest concluded that as the fire had started in the understairs cupboard, that the little boy must've started it himself with some matches
0: A one-year-old?
1: Yeah. It's just fucking blaming anyone at this point, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) The great-grandmother was so traumatized by the incident afterwards that she was committed to a mental hospital.
0: Oh, that is traumatizing. She felt fucking
1: bad about that.
0: But, Mm. oh, God bless her.
1: Old people, break me down. Then the next year in... January 1977, Katrina Thacker was aged six months old and she died in her cot in the living room of her home when a fire broke out while her mother was taking her half-sister to the toilet, which was probably a fucking outhouse at this point. It was probably a shed behind her house, not in the actual house. A toddler asleep upstairs was rescued. The fireplace was stacked with fuel but no flame. But the inquest still concluded that a spark from the fire had set the living room alight. Peter knew the family through an interest in pigeons. I really don't know what his fucking thing with pigeons is. (laughs) Um, But he had recently fallen out with that family over his habit of walking in their house uninvited. Yeah. So... You shouldn't do that. No, but this just goes to show, again, everyone's fucking doors open. But, like, I remember when I was a kid, my mum would leave the door open because my brothers were out all day.
0: Yeah, we always had our front door open.
1: Like, unlocked, not,
0: like, wide open. When my parents weren't home, then we stayed inside and we locked the doors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then April the 27th, 1977, Deborah Hooper, she was a mentally handicapped girl and the son of a friend who was staying. Sorry, fuck me. I need to put commas in this thing. (laughs) So um, Deborah Hooper was 13. She was in the house and also in the house was a son of a friend who was staying. So... They both died when, the, when a fire engulfed the lounge and sent smoke to the bedroom area upstairs. The little boy's father was asleep on the settee, which is just the couch. I, know, I haven't heard that yep. word in donkey's ears. Um,
0: <laughs> also, they don't use that here.
1: No, but we sometimes call it a settee. When the fire began and he ran upstairs to warn the other inhabitants before returning down to escape through the front door. The man of the house woke his wife their two daughters and their guests' two sons, all of whom were asleep in the back bedroom, and ushered them to leave via the window. Two of the children were helped out, but there was no sign of the others. The little boy, with considerable thoughtfulness, had gone back to try and help the handicapped girl, and both had become overcome by smoke. No. I know. The inquest suggested the man asleep in the lounge had left a cigarette burning, despite there being little evidence to support this, and the boy was later recommended for a post bravery award posthumous
0: yeah he was a hero
1: yeah so sorry that i promise you there's only a couple more of these (laughs) so um on the night of january the 5th 1977 peter was 16 years old so all of this has happened pre-16 crazy fucking nuts he set a retirement home who was
0: watching him
1: no one evidently (laughs) no one like his mum was a sex worker and hated him And his nan, she looked after him until he was three and then he was just in children's homes. So...
0: Yeah, it was the pigeons. The pigeons were watching over
1: him. he hung out with pigeons who were clearly a bad influence. (laughs) So he had set a retirement home called Wensley Lodge on fire using paraffin as an accelerant. Loves it. Peter had previously had an argument with one of the residents, but that resident wasn't there at the time and didn't even find out about the fatalities until he read about them in the newspaper. So the care assistant on duty that night saw smoke coming from a first floor corridor and having yelled for his colleague to phone the fire brigade, found the bedroom where the fire was sourced and managed to escort the sole resident from the room. So that's good. Uh, Despite this, the fire spread through the first floor and to the second, trapping more residents. The inquest accused a plumber who had used a blowtorch earlier that day directly below the room where the fire started although experts said there were no faults with the plumber's work or tools and the plumber denied any errors on his part. Eleven people died in the fire and six more were injured.
0: Wow. This kid.
1: He is a little shit, to put it lightly. On January the 6th, 1978, Christine Dickinson, 24, was a mother who died with three of her four sons as she tried to rescue them from the flames and smoke of their terraced house. She had been chatting outside to a neighbour and her four sons, Mark Dixon, age five, Stephen Dixon, age four, Michael Dixon, age 16 months, uh, were in the house and her unwell husband was in the bed upstairs when she noticed smoke coming from the window and instinctively ran inside. She came out with her baby son and handed him to a neighbour and then went back inside to fetch the other three but was trapped and eventually Mm. engulfed by the blaze.
0: And the husband was too?
1: Uh he escaped so he escaped from the stairs and the front through the front door i mean could you grab a kid on your way like
0: <laughs> so i was thinking about the great grandma who forgot about the baby like oh. maybe so i i don't know what i would be like in that situation maybe you're just full of panic and your instincts are just like get away get away get away yeah you can't tell if you would be like oh i got to grab my dog or you would feel fucking awful Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've not been in a house fire, so I really can't judge. But like, yeah, I mean, a mother going back in to save her children is just like, oh.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so again, the inquest suspected that the eldest two boys had somehow found matches and lit the fire themselves. You guys. No one's playing with matches that much. <laughs> no. I bet there wasn't a box of matches in that house.
0: <laughs> if all of this is in the same area as well. It keeps happening over the span of what ten, eight years.
1: I would start to suspect the fucking yes. f- the inquest people. Would be right. like, are you doing this?
0: Like, yeah.
1: So the mother again was late. Was later given a posthumous bravery award, and the baby that she saved was brought up by his grandmother. So I guess that's okay. a l- little bit of a happy ending. Yeah. This is a really weird detail, <laughs> but I thought it was worth mentioning. In 1979. Doreen remarried and Peter changed his name to Bruce George Peter Lee both after his stepfather's surname and as a homage to the actor Bruce Lee so he's basically called Bruce and then two middle names and then Lee so he's just called Bruce Lee now (laughs) to be fair though what is he now 17 like you're 17 in the 70s yeah and Bruce Lee has just rose to fame (laughs) you decide you're, you're poor misguided fool (laughs)
0: <laughs> that'd be the equivalent of a 17 year old now changing their name to like dwayne yeah peter
1: the rock <laughs> Johnson, dwayne peter dave the rock johnson because he was born peter dinsdale right <laughs> all right pete no it's bruce lee pete fuck yeah. off <laughs> yeah and i'm fucking chuck norris
0: the pigeons are all right with it <laughs> yeah
1: The pigeons call him, (laughs) poor I haven't even drunk. So, uh, on the 4th of December, (laughs) I really wish I hadn't done that. And part of me says, cut it out. But then part of me says, you acting like a cock is quite funny. I don't know, Rachel, you decide. So, on the 4th of December, 1979, and this is the last one, I promise. (laughs) On the 4th of December, 1979, a fire broke out at the front of a house on Selby Street. In Hull. Inside were Edith Hasty and her sons Thomas and Charles, who were both 15, Paul, who was 12, and Peter, who was 8. The family were asleep at the time. Again, it's like an early morning thing, I suspect. Mm -hmm. 15 year old Charles rescued his mother by pushing her out of an upstairs window he couldn't help his brothers Paul and Peter though who were in the house at the same time as sorry, who were in the same bedroom as him opening Mm -hmm. the bedroom window had caused a draft which fed the fire and then all three were trapped and burned severely and were taken to the specialist burns unit in Pinderfield's hospital Charles died overnight Peter died two days later he's the 8 year old and Paul survived uh, he's twelve, and he survived for twelve days before succumbing to his injuries. Aww. Again, hideous. Thomas, who was also fifteen, survived by escaping through a window in the back bedroom where the flames were less severe. Edith Hasty also had three daughters who were staying with relatives elsewhere in the area in that particular night, which That's is lucky, very lucky. So her husband Tommy Hasty was in prison, so he wasn't there. And when they found out that this happened, they let him out on compassionate leave, like immediately. Oh, which wow. I thought was quite nice. You can't have done anything that bad. Hopefully not. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> the police set up a makeshift incident room in a former police station on Gordon Street and began talking to local people about the fire and the family. Finally. Yeah. I mean, they're like, fuck, him, fuck me, this is really getting too much now. So... Yeah. They they were shocked that despite the severity of the fire which led to their deaths the neighbors seemed nonplussed. It was discovered that the hasty boys were well-known local delinquents and they were responsible for several cases of vandalism and petty robberies. At the boys' funeral Edith had a grief-stricken outburst that nobody cared about them. So That's sad. It's horrible.
0: Yeah, like, even if you're, like, a crappy teenager, doesn't mean that your family deserves to die.
1: No, and, like, I could have done another story as well, which was uh, Mick Philpot, who, in England, he had, like... He was on a show uh, that was basically about people, like, benef- benefit scrounging and stuff. And he was on, like, mm. the Jeremy Kyle show, if you know what that is.
0: Yeah, that's kind of like the jerry springer of england
1: yeah and they've stopped uh filming it now and it's been cancelled because uh about four people commit suicide after they were on it
0: oh my goodness
1: yep because it's just bear baiting like it's just choosing people from lower economic backgrounds with like little education and just making them look like fools on telly right and it's just it is like poking fun at the poor for a laugh like that's what it was yeah it really was. Um, and Jeremy Kyle is so
0: smug too.
1: Oh, he's a massive cunt. And he cheated on his wife. And then he like goes on the show and like has a really massive pop at people for cheating on people. And I'm just like, you aren't Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're also pretty shitty.
0: That was the difference between him and Jerry Springer is like, Jerry Springer had somewhat of a heart and would just yeah. he would treat it lightly. And then he would end the show with like, Here's what we've learned today. Jerry Springer's final thought. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So take care of yourselves and each other.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love that. I love that show. That's also cancelled now, right? Oh, yeah. That was cancelled a long time ago. But there was a musical. Is it because
1: of the uh, poking fun at the ball and the stupid? I'm not sure. Mm.
0: I think he just didn't want to do it anymore, maybe.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there has come a time where you go, should we be laughing at people for things that aren't their fault? Like, I don't think we should be. It's not
0: that funny. For the life that they've been brought up in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think
1: the world just kind of woke up. I think people started seeing it as a bit icky, didn't they? Which is... Probably, yeah. It's not... It's not cool. So, uh, the investigation also found out that the Hasty Boys had a connection to the gay scene in town. And they brought in a number of boys also in that scene, including Peter, for questioning. Because, I haven't mentioned this yet, but he is... I think he's bisexual because he has an interest in boys... But he also uh, had a crush on one of the girls that wasn't in the house.
0: Mm.
1: Six months after the inquiry began, Peter confessed in great detail that he had poured paraffin through the letterbox and set it alight. He wanted revenge against Charles Hasty. Peter said that the 15-year-old boy had threatened to go to the police. He was a minor and, Char- and uh, Peter wasn't. Yeah. After they had some sexual contact and Charles said that he would tell people unless Peter gave him some money. So it was wow. also, yeah, and it was also reported that Peter had become infatuated with Charles' sister Angelina, but she had rejected his repeated advances. So he had like a twofold reason for setting the house on fire.
0: I'm stuck on the the fact that he put something through the letterbox and lit it on fire. If you are a good firefighter, mm-hmm. detective, you'd be like, here's where it started.
1: I think with the rest, he kind of snuck in and set it. But with this one, yeah. he put it through the letterbox, so it's pretty fucking plain that... Right, it was, and that's why the police started doing an investigation. Finally, like they couldn't deny that someone pouring paraffin through a fucking letterbox is pretty sketchy. So during further questioning, and to the complete surprise and horror of the police, Peter then went on to confess to starting nine more fatal fires in Hull over the previous seven years. As we've said, none of the fires were treated with suspicion at the time. A total of twenty-six people had died in the blazes. Dozens more were burned or suffered from smoke inhalation or received injuries while escaping. Mm -hmm. Peter claimed that most of the fires were started at random because he loved fire, not because he wanted to kill anyone. Only the hasty fire and two others were at the houses owned by people he knew and had a grudge against. Investigating officers then drove Peter around the city of Hull to the locations he said he had committed arson. Although he couldn't specify dates, research later showed that fires had indeed been started at every house that he indicated. Wow. Peter said that when he heard of the deaths he caused, he sought solace in the Bible, but wasn't convinced he should stop or confess. Okay. (laughs) To be honest, I don't even know why I included that. Because it's like completely fucking pointless. (laughs) He just like tosses the Bible in the corner and sets fire to it. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't say anything in there. He's like, "Mm, I'm not sorry, but this does look like it would burn good. (laughs)
0: I feel like there are fires in the Bible, though. What am I thinking of? You would know better than me. Got to... Yeah. I don't think I've ever read the Bible.
1: <laughs> I think I flipped through it in a hotel once and was like, oh, the writing's really small. <laughs> like, and in columns.
0: <laughs> there are some crazy stories in there, Talissa. The Old Testament, I bet. Uh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. then the last book, the Book of Revelations, is about okay. the end of the world. And that's just nuts. Right. You know, I
1: mean, one day I might give it a read. Couldn't hurt. Nah.
0: <laughs> You're like,
1: I've done it. It's boring. Don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> it's really preachy. <laughs> Again, that's a fucking Simpsons reference that I've ripped off. And Homer, go- to Homer goes, about the Bible, he goes, talk about a preachy book. Everybody's a sinner. Except this guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the general gist of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, basically. So on the 20th of January, 1981, at Leeds Crown Court, Peter pleaded not guilty to 26 counts of murder, but he did plead guilty to 26 counts of manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility and to 11 counts of arson. Uh, Peter confessed okay. that he was a-, a pyromaniac, no shit, claiming that the tingling in his fingers signaled to him that it was time to light a fire.
0: What? You're not a superhero. I know.
1: <laughs> Mister fucking Rack everything. <laughs> he also stated, "I am devoted to fire and I despise people." Okay, that's not good. Um, Peter was found to be criminally insane and was taken to Rampton Secure Hospital. Although he was the most prolific killer in the UK at the time, he received little publicity, possibly because he was convicted of manslaughter rather than murder, and also because the trial of Peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire Ripper, mm. was. Ongoing at the time, and that was a much more high-profile case. Yeah. So if you don't know who the Yorkshire Ripper is, look it up. It's
0: grim. I'm sure uh, the time of Ted Bundy, there are some murderers around that time, and we know nothing about them.
1: Yeah. The article about this guy on crime and investigation was like the worst serial killer you've never heard of Mm. but i think it's also because he wasn't sadistically trying to kill people he's just a nut he's just an absolute nutter right and he was just sent he was sent to a insane asylum basically
0: yeah but he still set a guy on fire and he was still going to family homes like With my story, he was setting buildings and houses on fire. Nobody died.
1: Yeah, which is good. And also insurance. So I know it's a pain (laughs) in the dick, but I'm sure they're all insured up to the eyeballs. Whereas like, this is people's houses with their babies in. So it's a bit, yeah, it's a lot fucking worse. Also, in England, if something happens in Hull, people in the South don't care for it much. Especially if there's already one story going on. Right, The Yorkshire Ripper went on for fucking ages and women were getting hammered in the back of the head so it was a bit more like visceral and a bit more like watch when you walk home women because you're going to get attacked kind of thing and then that set off like a feminist movement that was like it was called we own the night. And oh, yeah, there's oh, it's a great documentary. I'll try and find it and post it. But it's um, a really old BBC documentary about the Yorkshire Ripper. But it covers like some of the feminist like issues that came from it, which was basically a group came out called We Own the Night because it was happening in a university town. And the university students mm. would march and stuff. And they were basically saying there was a curfew for women. And they were like, fuck that. Why isn't there a curfew for men? Right. It's obviously a man who's hammering the shit out of people and then spunking on them. Why the hell do we have to stay in?
0: They should be the ones staying in. Yeah. They're the dangerous ones. They're the ones
1: that can't be trusted. But like, yeah, so um, that had like a bigger social kind of movement behind it as well. So that was pretty interesting. And then in 1983, a public inquiry concluded that the fire at the Wensley Lodge was accidental and that Peter was not responsible. Even though he said, Yes, I was. Mm. So that's really weird. But anyway, as a result of that, 11 manslaughter convictions were later quashed on appeal and his death toll now stands at 15. And that is the story of Bruce Lee, definitely not Bruce
0: Lee, (laughs) Peter George Lee. (laughs) Wow. I'd be, again, same as last week. I'd be so pissed off if I were the, the family members of the people who died to be like yeah, you did this and now you're completely free of it you yeah. don't have to think about it
1: yeah I mean he will most likely be in a insane asylum for like the rest of his life that's the only benefit of saying somebody is criminally insane is that you don't have to give them a date that you're going to let them out
0: yeah whereas if that's they're in prison true.
1: they might get parole at some point also like this was really interesting like I don't I don't <sighs> I mean, I don't know if it's completely true, but like Carly's dad was a painter and decorator and he worked mm. in Broadmoor, the um, the mental hospital. And he said that they had a thing in the wall where they would put their cigarette in this little hole in the wall and that would light it because they weren't allowed lighters. But then you've still got a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, they have um cigarettes in prison and stuff. Yeah. Like how do they trust them with lighters? I don't understand. I don't know. But... um,
0: Do they have lighters or do they
1: have matches or... (sighs) Yeah. Because you'd think that there'd be a lot more fires in prison,
0: wouldn't you? Like I've seen in movies where they do it as like a distraction.
1: Yeah, exactly. But that's it. I think we've got to get like a prison officer on or a prison guard or like... Like I know a guy um, who started talking to me as a result of the podcast and... He was telling me that he was a police officer. He's no longer a police officer because he said it was just really soul crushing. Wow. I didn't know this and I thought it was really interesting. He said that in court, when you go to court, you have to wear a clip on tie because otherwise someone might try and strangle you. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard of that. I've never heard of that. And I never thought of it. That makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. (laughs) He's like, everyone in that courtroom has got a clip on tie.
0: I used to work in a police uniform store. What? And... <laughs> Rachel! I never t- I never told you that? No. Oh. Well, we sold police clip-on ties. So. Oh, my God. Oh, that is completely out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I don't... I, sometimes it just pops into my head, like, oh yeah, I used to do that. Why, though? <laughs> I need more information. Like, that's not the end of the story. Uh, <laughs> okay. I worked in a police uniform store. It wasn't just... They sold, like, nurse uniforms and... Just firefighter. this No, this was in Minnesota. Oh, okay. This was in the space of time of when I moved from London back to Minnesota started dating Will, mm. and then we moved to LA. Right, okay. A couple of years after. Yeah. So I worked there because my aunt worked there for like 20 years. She was one of the managers there, and they just needed someone part-time to like put away clothes. And, yeah. And then eventually I worked there full-time as their shipping and receivings manager. Mm. So. Rachel got promoted. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Because the, the woman who did it, she just, like, upped and left and moved to another state without telling anyone. Cool. I'll slip into her grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I had to deal with, like, bulletproof vests. Cool. And clip-on ties. Yeah. And... <laughs> I, yeah, it makes
1: total sense. Were the police officers that came in nice? Or did somebody come in and, Sometimes. like, buy bulk or whatever? Did anyone, did you have to prove they were a police officer to sell them the uniform? Because if someone comes in and they're just like a civilian and they buy a police uniform, obviously that's bad, right?
0: Yeah, it is. And it's usually like everything that they did was like special order. And usually the people who worked there, the people that I worked with, knew the police from when they started at the police academy. So they knew everyone by name. They knew like, you know what they needed what their names were uh knew what they looked like so it would have been hard to just walk in and be like i'm officer johnson and i need a new badge (laughs) yeah
1: that's fucking weird
0: yeah that's cool though i didn't know that about you yeah i never think of it anymore
1: (laughs) yeah well think more right because we've got to fill these gaps
0: in this silence okay I do have another story about police badges, but I'll save that for another day. Oh, okay, a little cliffhanger. <laughs> sure. My cousin Sam knows about it. she we just talked about it, so oh, at the wedding. Yeah, nice. She'll know what I'm talking about if she's listening right now.
1: Oh, Sam. okay. All right, well, this seems like a good place to polish this
0: off. Yeah thanks for listening this week thanks for yeah. our, thanks to our patreon supporters and... we can probably name all of them there's only four thank you
1: emily thank you rebecca thank you ruth thank you lucy yes thank you <laughs> remembered them yeah so bye then bye see you next week see you next week
0: thanks for listening to transatlantic crime this week if you liked what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on
1: social media, you can find us on Twitter at TransatCrime Pod, Instagram at TransatlanticCrime, and on Facebook with
0: Transatlantic Crime Podcast. Thanks, bye. <laughs>